We lead off with a discussion on the topic of criminal justice reform, and I, I think there is enough agreement to suggest that we have an issue with prison overcrowding. The rate of recidivism is alarmingly high. There seems to be some challenges just in terms of being able to build prisons fast enough. Then there are questions about are we jailing the right kind of people? Are we certain to be putting in only violent offenders that are a threat to the health and safety of society as opposed to somebody who just, quote-unquote, makes a mistake? Do we differentiate between what some consider to be less important societal crimes like drug use versus the drug dealer versus the felon who is not only an individual that uh, you know maybe carries along a rap sheet that's 10 miles long a three striker etc cetera, etc cetera. but then you even come down to questions about the front end of the criminal justice system this is before they've gone to trial before their case has been heard by a judge or jury in the matter of individuals that are being asked to pay a bail bail to make sure that they will show up to trial when called. It's been in use in states all across the country for time and memoriam, but now the California State Legislature thinks that the current bail bond system here in California unjustly penalizes poor people, and as a result, the baby needs to be thrown out with the bathwater. Is it the best system? Maybe not. But is the idea of completely dealing, doing away with bail, even for individuals that perhaps are charged with capital crimes, is that idea really in the best interest of not just justice, but also the safety of society? Joining me with some insights is Jeff Clayton. Jeff is executive director with the American Bail Coalition. He spent six years in government service. He has represented everything from the Colorado State Court System and Probation Department to the Colorado Department of Labor and Employment and the U.S. Secretary of Transportation. Jeff, thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, again, I think there's probably agreement that a little bit of reform wouldn't hurt, but this seems to be a answer in search of a problem that doesn't exist at certain levels. Craig, it's a pleasure to be on. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, which is there's probably some adjustments that need to be made, but this uh, particular set of reforms, we think, uh, certainly goes too far and does uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Give us kind of a breakdown from your understanding. This essentially says that the notion of paying bail, because it typically is based on one's financial capacity to pay, usually a percentage of money of the total bail amount that has to be paid to a bail bondsman who then stands in your stead. So if you fail to make your date in court, the bail bondsman is on the hook, and they're suggesting with the reform language in these bills by Bob Hertzberg and Rob Bonta of Oakland that this essentially unfairly targets poor people and allows rich folks to just write a check and what's the old adage get out of free you get out of jail for free yeah i think this um, legislation goes too far in the sense that it would attempt to eliminate all financial conditions of bail to eliminate bail and to essentially say that okay we're just going to say you have to afford your bail and if you can't afford your bail then we're going to let you out and put you on some form of probation uh... where the state is going to attempt to supervise all these offenders and that's the issue it's not just that People can post bail and get out. It's the ones that can't post bail or that the bails are so high that they, they should probably um, stay in. And so the state of New Jersey is trying this, and, and really it's like, you know, rolling a Yahtzee in terms of uh, 
in terms of how it's going to turn out, and I don't think it'll be good for the state of California. Is there a, a fundamental misunderstanding about the way the system works in the first place? And I, I asked that question, Jeff, because if anybody's ever watched uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter, we know that even a person who has the capacity to post bail, it's not always a guarantee that they're going to show up for their court appointment. And to somehow suggest that the way that we get around this is to create this elaborate monitoring system where now somehow police authorities who are already overburdened and overtaxed in many major communities across the country are now somehow going to be responsible for keeping an eye on individuals until they have their day in court. And, and I understand there's even a provision in at least one of these two measures between Senate Bill 10 and AB 42 that sets up, I don't know what to call it, a babysitting service? Is this, you know, here's, here's your 8 o'clock wake-up call for your, your judicial appointment? I mean, are they really serious about this? They are, and they require all 58 counties in California to create the babysitting service called pretrial services. Not only will they call them to try to get them back to court, they're going to put them on ankle monitors and all this sort of thing, but they have no arrest powers, or, and there's really nothing they can do with them. They're also going to be required to transport all of the defendants to court. And speaking of Dog the Bounty Hunter, I mean, I think, you know, obviously it's a TV show, but the reality is that uh, bail agents are financially liable, and they do have arrest powers. And the person that co-signs a person's bond, a friend or family, is going to make sure that the person does what they're supposed to. And so, you know, while you know, we are concerned that certain folks in California can't afford bail, the reality is most people in California jails are high-level, high-risk offenders, and the bail industry is able to service those clients and allow them to get out of jail in an accountable fashion. And this notion that you're going to create a whole new layer of bureaucracy that will help get people to jail, including providing transportation, I, I look at that and I think, okay, suddenly they must have found the pot at the end of the rainbow containing gold to pay for all of this. Yeah, and certainly we got the fiscal analysis today, and the word hundreds of millions of dollars was used several different times. Mm. I think the best... Analogy of state probation, and we're talking, you know, $1.5 billion to do this, and I just don't think the state of California can afford it right now. The idea here is that far too many people, what, ostensibly cannot afford bail and therefore remain in jail when otherwise they could be free on their own recognizance until a trial date? Exactly, and I think that's the wrong analysis. I mean, most defendants cannot afford their bail. The question is, bail is a test of your ties to the community somebody in the community put up for you and that's been the tradition of bail going back to you know england 500 years ago and, that, and that's the real question so they're essentially in a sense vouching for your character and if exactly. you don't have anybody that's willing to do that maybe a little bit of time on, on ice isn't all that bad after all right and the american tradition is you have a right to bail you don't have a right to bail you can afford you have a right to bail that's not excessive and uh and that's what we're talking about here and if you can't afford you know, to post the bail or have somebody put up for you, then you do remain in jail until the charges are adjudicated. Now, what's also troublesome about this is that many of these people, these these are not people that are being tried because uh, they failed to uh, pay a parking ticket or didn't submit their uh, 1040 form to the IRS on time. Most of these individuals that we are talking about are being accused of violent crimes, everything that runs from drug dealers to sexual predators, battery, domestic violence. Uh, it's all there, and potentially all would be loose on the streets until their so-called day in court. That's problematic, but there's an even more troubling aspect of this, Jeff, that I want to talk about right after the break, and that is another group of people that it sets free on our streets until such time as their day in court. 
that probably isn't very healthy for the safety and security of our society overall. Our conversation with Jeff Clayton, Executive Director of the American Bail Coalition. We're talking about two measures here in California, California Assembly Bill 42 and the California Senate Bill 10, two generally identical bills that would effectively end bail in the state of California. Now, this has been tried in New Jersey. We'll find out when we come back from just Clayton just how well that's working out as this edition of Lifeline continues. 5.15 right now. Let's step aside for a moment, get you updated on the Wednesday ride home. The latest with Michael Bennett from the KFAX Traffic Center. Hey, Michael, what's up? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. It has been well over a decade, decade and a half, since Californians on the heels of the polyclass kidnapping and murder trial finally said to the judicial system here in California, enough is enough. And together, we passed the Three Strikes, You're Out bill that essentially says three felonies, baby, you are done. This idea of the jail door being a rotating door where felons come in, they go out, they commit more crimes, they do more damage to society, they go back in, they get three square meals a day and a hot shower, and then they return back into society to repeat their crimes yet over again. We said, that's it, we are sick and tired of this. As a result of that... There is arguably a direct correlation between the stiffer penalties and a drop in crime here in California. Well, those that take a soft on crime, let's coddle the criminal approach, have been working slowly over the many years since the passage of Three Strikes You're Out to try and ease things in such a fashion that we've think, seen things like AB 109 that dealt with overcrowding and put 50,000 criminals back on the streets too soon. Even in terms of the particular bill that we're talking about or the companion bills in Senate Bill 10 and AB 42 today with Jeff Clayton, Executive Director of the American bail coalition it smacks of soft on crime let's coddle the criminal and give no consideration to the victim one of the areas that has me very troubled about this proposal is the fact that even individuals that may have a pretty violent history of crimes if accused of capital crimes will just be free to walk on their own recognizance is that really true jeff well, California's Constitution uh, does allow for preventive, what's called preventative detention, um, you know, no bail in the cases of uh, capital cases and a few other serious cases. So those folks could theoretically be detained by a prosecutor who seeks preventative detention. So they could, but the language inside of this particular or these two bills doesn't necessarily compel them to. No, and what's missing from this proposal, and this proposal has been run in a couple of different states, New Jersey being one example, is that they expanded preventative detention. They said, okay, if it's a felony, you know, prosecutors should have the discretion to do that. These particular bills just focus on release. There's no mechanism to increase any kind of detention under these bills. Mm. Well, you mentioned New Jersey. Let's talk about that. Uh, that bill was passed in, what, January of this year? Yeah, it became effective in January. January. All right. So far, and I'm sure you've looked at this, uh, we're here mid-May. What's the report card in the first four months of the year so far? Is there a sense that this was a good idea, or do they have to go back to the drafting table in New Jersey? They need to go back to the drawing board on this. What they're doing is they're releasing a lot of high-risk offenders. Uh, the bail computers they have that assess whether people are at risk, 
are tagging people with low risk that are, that are not low risk. That's where we learned uh, new terms like low risk child sex offenders, low risk possession of guns uh, by prior felons. And the computers are saying people are low risk and they're not. And the best example I think I can give is a felon, prior felon in possession of a firearm was released on his own recognizance uh, and put an ankle monitor on and unfortunately killed a 19-year-old uh, gentleman uh, two days later. And, th and that's what we're seeing out there. Wow. All right. Let's talk about the likelihood of this passing here in California. And as I suggested, it seems to kind of exacerbate what is a growing trend of coddling criminals here in our state. I understand the frustration, the expense that's involved in incarceration. Uh, we know that the rate of recidivism is nothing for California to get excited about. The cost of operating prisons is perhaps more expensive here than any other state in the union. You're talking about upwards of a hundred grand for somebody who is uh, facing death row at San Quentin and probably sixty-five to eighty-five thousand dollars a year for the average criminal that's in a place like Cochrane or uh, any of the other so-called medium-level penitentiaries across the state. So there's no doubt there are concerns about incarceration costs, incarceration rates in the state of California. I just have to wonder, though, whether or not this bill corrects any of that or is just going to exacerbate the problem and lead to, quite frankly, greater risk for society as you're letting people out on their own recognizance. What is the likelihood of these two bills getting passed? And if there is a likelihood, what do we need to do to have our voice be heard in Sacramento? Well, it's hard to say right now. I, I certainly met with both of the sponsors of the bill today, and I think, um, you know, there's there's a recognition that perhaps these bills go a little bit too far and that we need to go a little bit back to the drawing board on them. I would say for anybody interested in this issue, they need to contact uh, their um, representatives or their assemblymen and their uh, senators to let, let them know that they're opposed to this legislation. And I think, you know, there probably is a middle ground in California. Uh, so the bail schedules are too high. There's an arms race by judges to jack them up too high. And bail should be more affordable in California. But when it comes to hardened, violent offenders, you know, we shouldn't be giving them a get-out-of-jail-free card. Who's making the money here? That's the other question. The old adage, follow the money. Uh, does anybody benefit financially by changing this? Certainly the publicly traded electronic monitoring companies do. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They, you know, they make a lot more money than the bail industry. And they feel that they can provide a service, which I agree they can. But to take everybody that's in jail and put them on an ankle monitor and hope we're going to get success, I think is false hope. Well, moreover, that ankle monitor only works if you have somebody there to keep an eye on it. And uh, the likelihood of having uh, what on average? Do you know how many people are typically out on bail at any given time awaiting trial in California? What's that number look like? Well, we have about 300,000 people on bail uh, huh. just for the bail industry. And that doesn't count all the recognizance releases and all those people on supervision and we're somehow going to add all of that to the already growing list and expect our already already overtaxed um, uh, police departments across the state to deal with all of that yeah and the judges too because the judges will have to set bail in every case because these bills would eliminate bail schedules and so we're going to have to have a mini trial every time somebody gets arrested. Yeah, this sounds like a really half-baked idea, once again brought to you by the good legislature of the state of California. Um, if folks want to get more information, go a little bit deeper so they can um, articulately talk about this with their friends and neighbors and, and kind of raise the concern here, is there information available at your organization's website? Yeah, AmericanBailCoalition.org, and frankly, I spend a lot of my time on Facebook, so... Uh... I would go ahead and follow our page on Facebook because we're putting updates on there at least once a day. 
All right, fantastic. So you can follow American Bail Coalition at Facebook or go to their website directly at AmericanBailCoalition.org. Look, I'm saying we're not doing this because we have a soft spot for bail bondsmen, but they do serve, what's the old adage, a necessary evil in our state. And this is just a half-baked idea, as I said a moment ago. And the notion of releasing hundreds of thousands of potential criminals awaiting trial and just say, well, we're going to revamp the whole system here and we're going to put a higher and heavier burden on police departments that will have to deal with all these individuals that are suddenly not sitting in jail awaiting trial, but rather sitting at home, or at least that's where they're supposed to be, just way too complex. The money is not there, and this is, as I suggested at the top of our conversation with Jeff tonight, seems to be a problem in search of a solution. Jeff Clayton, thanks so much for your time. Executive Director of the American Bail Coalition. Follow them on Facebook or check out the website, American Bail Coalition. Dot O-R-G.